0: Blessed be his wonderful name. Oh, God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning as we worship the Lord Jesus Christ and lift up our hearts and our voices to bless his wonderful name. Uh, that was an amen from the mic. I don't know what mic it was, but praise God. It's so good for you to, of uh, you joining us. We thank you for doing that. I want to give a special shout out as always to Emma. Good morning, Emma. Uh, I know that you are watching Uh, We want to look to the Lord this morning for His Word. As always, we want to encourage you to continue to Uh, Honor the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, but you can do that online or you can mail it in if you would like to do that. We are open now every Wednesday at 7 o'clock from 7 to 8, one hour uh, with the Lord, Uh, and it's been wonderful just being in God's presence and worshiping the Lord with other saints that are joining us. I want to encourage you, if you can make it out, come this Wednesday at 7 o'clock as we gather in the house of the Lord. Now, today we're going to continue our series Journey Through John. We've been looking at the Gospel of John, and we are currently at chapter 3. And in this chapter, it really covers a subject or a term or an expression, if you will, that even to this very day, some are really unclear about. And uh, The Lord has given me this word to help us all be on the same page in understanding uh, this specific term that we're going to focus in on today. So let's begin by looking at John uh, chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not being, believing in God's one and only son. And then going to jump to verse 36 and anyone. Who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life but remains under God's angry judgment. All right, now let's recap what we've just read here. We find that there's a man named Nicodemus, and we are told that he is a religious leader and that he's also a Pharisee. Now, for those of you who might be new to your Bible, uh, the Pharisee was the strictest sect of the Hebrew faith. They were sold out for obeying God. They, they did their best to live a, a life that is righteous in that it followed every letter of the Old Testament law. It began in a, uh, in, in a sincere effort to truly get back to being the holy people of God. But over the course of time, they began to add traditions, in addition to following the law. And so they became ultra strict in uh, what they wanted to do and how they felt it should be done. And as a result of that, they began to separate themselves from the rest of the population, the rest of the Hebrew people, and they considered themselves to be the most holiest of all of God's people. Uh, So pride enter in and all that kind of stuff. So Nicodemus comes and he sees. he speaks with Jesus... And in this conversation, Jesus begins to lay out some truths uh, to Nicodemus. Uh, And and though he was sincere in his effort to live for God and to to live a righteous life uh, and being a teacher of the Hebrew faith, Nicodemus had difficulty understanding and therefore believing the truth that Jesus spoke of uh, because he was looking on the surface. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we've been talking about the fact that when we read our Bible, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to help us because oftentimes we get confused because all we look at is on the surface. Uh, we take it literally what, what the Bible is saying, but they're off, more often than not, the 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 Bible is speaking about something spiritual. It may be using a physical analogy to communicate something that's spiritual. That's looking beneath the surface. So I want to talk to you this morning about the truths that are laid out in our text and how they can relate to us and how we need to uh, better understand them so that we can communicate them to others. The first truth. Truth number one that I want to focus in on is that we must be born again. That's the truth number one. Jesus told that to to Nicodemus that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. We must be born again again in order to see. Now, that word see means to not just to see physically. Again, remember, we have to look beneath the surface. What Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about is, Nicodemus, you are a religious teacher of the law, but unless you are born again, you will never spiritually understand the kingdom of God. You won't understand how the kingdom of God operates. You will never truly see God's kingdom Unless you are born again. Well, the truth for us today is, again, we can be sincere in our approaching God and our religious life, so to speak. We can be sincere in trying to live a life that's right before God. But unless we are born again, we will never truly understand the kingdom of God and how it operates. We need to make sure that we recognize that there are spiritual dynamics regarding God's kingdom. That you cannot understand and will never understand unless you are born again. That's why when people who are not born again, when when you talk to them about some of the aspects of the kingdom of God, they're like Nicodemus. They don't, don't understand. They don't see. Why are you living the way that you live? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why? Because they're not born again so that they don't see. They don't understand how the kingdom of God operates and its unique dynamics. Nicodemus didn't understand because he was looking on the surface how can I be born again Do I have to go back into my mother's womb no looking beneath the surface let's look at this expression that I want to bring clarity on today what does it mean to be born again what's that expression all about Oftentimes, we have this expression, even in the fabric of Christianity, uh, we ask the, somebody, are you born again? And some, another Christian may say, well, what does that mean? Somebody who believes that they're a Christian doesn't understand what the expression means. You talk to people who are genuinely born again, and they can't really communicate what that means, uh, not biblically. And that's what we want to look at today, making sure that we're all on the same page understanding what this expression means. Let's look at, first of all, what it doesn't mean. We know that being born again does not mean being religious. Nicodemus was religious. In fact, Nicodemus was a teacher of the Old Testament law. He he knew the Bible then that existed, which is the Old Testament. He knew it to the measure that he can teach others. He was a religious leader among the Jewish faith. He was a Pharisee. He was sincere in his approach of trying to live right before God. Yet Jesus told him, unless you are born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. So being born again has nothing to do with religion. You can be religious and not be born again. Nicodemus was already that. Not only that, being born again cannot happen through human effort. That's what verse 6 said, what Jesus said, humans can uh, reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. In other words, we can't, earn our way into being born again. We can't fabricate being born again. Any human effort that we offer in order to be born again will fail miserably. It will revert back into religion. We're not born again, whatever that is, because we try harder. No, we are born again only by the Holy Spirit. So now, let's look at this expression that Jesus said, you must be born again. The literal translation means you must be born from above. You must be born from above. And that's why I've titled this message, Born from Above. When we talk about being born again, what we're literally saying is, I was born from above, meaning I was born from the Spirit. I was not born through religion. I was not uh, born through some human effort. It was the Spirit of God coming into my heart and, and, and giving me new life, new birth. That's what being born from above means. It is a life, a spiritual life, that's initiated By the Spirit of God. That's what being born again means or being born from above. In John chapter 6, in verse 63, the Bible says this. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. These are some strong words by the Lord and the scriptures here. In John, Jesus made it clear only the Holy Spirit can produce spiritual life. Churches cannot produce spiritual life. Religion cannot produce spiritual life. Your personal morality cannot produce spiritual life. We are all born spiritually dead, separated from God. And Jesus made it clear for all of us to understand, you have to be born again, born from above. It has to be something that the Holy Spirit himself initiates. You can't initiate it, I can't initiate it. And then the Bible goes on to really declare something very strong If you do not have the Spirit of God in you, you don't belong to God. You can be in church for 20 years and and come faithfully to church and even faithfully read your Bible and even faithfully teach it like Nicodemus. But unless you are born again, unless you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, you don't belong to Christ. You can call yourself Christian, but that doesn't make you a Christian. You have to be born again. You have to be born from above. The Spirit of God must come into your life and initiate this new life, you see. That's what it means to be born from above. That the Spirit of God has come into your, your spirit and given you this new life. And unless we are born from above, we never truly understand. We never truly see God's kingdom. So that's the truth number one. We must be born again. Here's truth number two. There is only one path to being born again or being born from above. Only one path. Notice what the Bible says. Let's look at verse 15 again, it says, so that everyone who believes in him, meaning the Son, will have eternal life. And then again in verse 18, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, meaning Jesus the Son, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. The only path to being born from above is. You and I must believe in Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? Because there are a lot of people that will tell you, well, I believe that Jesus is God's son. But just saying that does not mean that you are born from above. There are many people that celebrate Christmas. This is the day Jesus, God's son, was born. I believe that, okay? But that does... That belief, that word means I have a mental acceptance of that fact. That does not equate to the word believe that we find in our Bible. The word believe here in our Bible means to have faith in and to put our full trust in. So in other words, let me recap and restructure this what the Bible is talking about here is that in order for you and I to be born from above, it begins with us believing having our faith and our total trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation that's what that's the initiating factor in being born from from above. It's not just having some mental understanding. Well, I know who Jesus is, and I know that he died on the cross. yes, he's God's, son. I believe that. No, it's, have you embraced him as the only one that can make a way for the forgiveness of your sins? You put your trust in him. Because you can't say, well, I'm going to go to heaven one day because I'm a good person. See, that means your trust is in personal morality. It means, I believe in Jesus Christ is God's son, but I don't trust him for my salvation. It means I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven because, you know, I don't do a lot of that wicked stuff. So I know that God's going to make a way for me to go to heaven. That means my trust is in my personal morality. Then there are those that say, well, I don't need to be born again because I'm and they name their religion. I'm a Baptist, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a this, I'm that, uh, I'm a Catholic. It doesn't they name whatever religion it is, uh, they, and so they, they're, what they're saying is, I might know and believe in who Jesus is, God's son, but he doesn't have my trust for my salvation. My trust is in the religion that I'm affiliated with. That's where my trust is. And the Bible makes it clear here that our sins are not forgiven because we have personal morality. Our sins are not forgiven because we are affiliated with some religion of some kind. Our sins are not forgiven because we promised God never to do them again. There are people that believe there are many paths to God. That's a popular concept today, especially today, because people don't like this idea that, 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 that Christianity is exclusive and that all other religions are off the mark and therefore wrong. Uh, And so people say, you can't be that dogmatic. You have to understand that in the world that we live in, there are so many religions. There are many paths to God. Well, we just have to find out from God's word, is that true? The Bible says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. Let me say that again. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So the Bible makes it very clear. It it, it declares it very good. God has not given man any other name but the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what others might say. It doesn't matter what religion says. The Bible declares very clearly there is only one path by which our sins might be saved and his name is Jesus Christ. You see. That means also, by the way, that there is no new path. Because what we find oftentimes is we'll find people come up, false prophets will come up and say, well, I embrace Christ as my savior and Jesus has shown me a new way. And there's a new way to God. And there's a new thing that God wants us to do. There is no new way. There's only one name that God has given among men by which we must be saved. And his name is Jesus Christ. There's nothing that has uh, ever been added to that. There's nothing added to God's word. There is no new revelation. There is no new thing. It still exists today. The one path. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, back at our text, let's remind ourselves of something else that we don't like to look at that oftentimes we think may not apply. Notice verse 18 and 19. I'm going to read that again. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. I don't think you have verse 19, but I'm going to read it. Just listen. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. Now, listen to what the Bible is saying. This is Jesus speaking now. Jesus is saying this. If you reject the son, you are still under God's judgment. In other words, right now, we are all born under God's judgment. Because we're all born sinful, we are automatically born under God's judgment. And in other words, we need need to be saved from that judgment. And so God has provided the pathway for that, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. Any rejection of the son means you stay under God's judgment. So it doesn't matter, again, going back to the fact that some people think, well, well, I'm a good person, or I'm, a, I'm religious, or I'm, do, I'm this and I'm that. And they think that some way, somehow, God is going to look at them and give them a pass. But the Bible tells us we are already Condemned. We're born condemned. We're born under God's judgment. And in order to be freed from that judgment, we must take the one path that God has outlined, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We have to believe in his son, trust in him for our salvation. Yeah. Now, some people might say, I've done that, pastor. Okay, let's make sure you have, because we know that the path is Jesus. Jesus. There are two steps in this path to being born from above. Jesus said, you have to be born of water and born of the Spirit. Born of water, let's take that one first. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Born of water is symbolic here for the baptism. Water baptism. Right there behind us, we have a baptismal tank that we fill up with water and uh, we baptize people that have said yes to Jesus Christ. Baptism simply represents a public declaration. I have turned away from my sinful lifestyle and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's what baptism represents, right? Repentance. Peter told the crowd, you need to repent of your sin. That word repent means you need to turn around from the way you're living and live the right way. Turn to God. Turn away from sin and turn to God. That's repentance, you see. That is the first step in making sure that we are now born from above. We have to be water baptized. Water water baptism is symbolic. It's my public declaration to all the witnesses. I have turned away from my sins and I've turned to God through Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing though. If we don't have are turning away, then the question becomes, have we taken the right step, and are we truly born from above? See, there are confusion again that sometimes people think, well, let's say the sinner's prayer. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins, and I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to come and live in my heart. Amen. Okay, that's the sinner's prayer, uh, short and sweet, right there. Okay, I'm born again now. Well, are you? See, the Bible teaches us the step to being born again begins with you repenting of your sins. If you don't have a changed lifestyle, if you refuse to change the way that you're living, then it brings into question whether you're truly born from above or not. Moreover, remember the first step is I have to be born of water. I'm amazed. I've been a pastor now for over 30 years, close to 40, and I'm still amazed at how many people who profess with their mouth to be born again, but have never been water baptized. See, the Bible says you have to repent, be water baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. Now, some people say, well, wait a second, Pastor. Are we born again because we're baptized? No. Notice, it is a step that we have to take. We have to turn away from our sin. You can't profess to be born again and still live a sinful lifestyle. So, I have to turn away from my sin and I have to turn toward God. Well, what's that first step? The commandment was go into all the world, make disciples baptizing them. It, uh, there has to be a public declaration of your faith. But people say, well, but I'm not ready. You know, there's still things in my life. Well, you know what that means? I'm not ready to let them go. Right. Amen. I want to hold on to them. Yeah. And so therefore, I know that I'm not ready for... See, your, your own witness, your own testimony declares... There's not a divine transaction that's taking place yet. there, There might be an emotional one, but not a spiritual one. Because why? Because I'm not ready to let go of my sin. I'm not repenting yet. And I know that, so I can't, I'll be a hypocrite to get baptized. This getting ready is just an excuse to hold on to sin. You see, Jesus became a public spectacle for us on the cross. And those who want to follow him have to make a public declaration. I'm turning away from my sin and turning toward God. And that's what baptism simply means. So if you've never been water baptized since you believe, and I need to stop here and say, being baptized as a child is not biblical. As a little baby, all you know is some stranger that you've never seen in your life is pouring you water. Like, that was, that's the initial phase of waterboarding. You're, you're a baby then they're pouring water over your forehead. Like, well, what's going on? So, of course, you see your babies always start crying. They're like What in the world is going on? It's unbiblical because you haven't repented of anything. You don't even know what sin is. No, you have to turn away from your sin, and then as the as evidence that you are doing that, that's where being baptized comes into place. So Jesus said, that's the first step, born of water. And then he talked about being born of the Spirit. Now, here's where we need to also understand what that means. Because being born of the Spirit here doesn't just mean the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence in our heart. It means far more than that here. When Jesus talks about being born of the Spirit, he talks about making sure that we have turned away. This is sin. I'm turning away from sin, and I'm walking toward God. Toward God. Somehow, we've got Christians that are deceived into thinking, I can turn away from sin but I don't have to walk towards God. I don't have to do everything God wants me to do. I can still live the way I want to live, do the things I want to do without turning toward God because I'm no longer in sin. See, I used to be a drug addict. I'm not a drug addict anymore. Now I got a job. I'm married. I'm doing everything right. Yeah, but you're not doing what God wants you to do. That's okay because I'm not there. In Romans, let me read that again in uh, chapter 8, verse 9. Notice the Bible says, you are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. There has to be a divine influence that begins to direct and orchestrate our life when we're born from above. To be born from above is much more than making just a a, a prayer, a sinner's prayer at one event. It's even much more than being water baptized. There has to be this. I'm now walking with God and walking toward God. The Spirit of God is leading and guiding me. And he's been influencing my every decision making. Because we need to make sure that we don't deceive ourselves. Back at our text, verse 36 says, anyone, anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who does not, there's the word, what does it say? Obey the Son. Will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's judgment. So notice, I turned away from my sin." I'm living okay, not doing anything outright sinful, but if I'm not obeying the Lord, then the Bible is saying, I still remain under God's angry judgment. See, people think, well, oh, I can live as a Christian as I please and and still go to heaven. Wouldn't the Bible just say, no, you remain under God's angry judgment. Why? Because now, As a child of God, you're living in outright rebellion. And for us to think that we can live in outright rebellion and still punch our ticket to heaven is deceiving ourselves. If God didn't spare the children of Israel because of their disobedience, Romans goes on to say, what makes you think God will spare you? We all live by the grace and mercy of God. Would you say amen to that? Right? And so if we, to, be, to be born from above in this complete package of what we're looking at is that we need to recognize there's only one path to being born from above, that's Jesus Christ. And I have to believe, put my full trust in him for my salvation. And what that means is I'm turning away from my sin, I'm getting water baptized to publicly display, to declare that, and then I have to walk toward God, with God, under the influence of, Of the Holy Spirit. So that my life of obedience is the evidence that I have been born from above. Are you following what I'm saying now? Okay. Truth number three. Because we have truth number one was we must be born again or born from above. Truth number two, there's only one path to being born again. Born from above. Truth number three, we are born again because of God's real love. Verse 16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. God's real love. Listen to also 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, where it says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is real love. And I I use that, that phrase, real love, not just because it's in 1 John, but Real love just simply means sacrificial love. God's love for you and I, for all of his creation, for all of man, God's love is so sacrificial that he demonstrated that by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of the world. He, he, he gave his son for your sin and for my sin. What that means is this. We are not saved because God owes it to us, right? You can say, well, you know, I'm saved because I, I, I wasn't real sinful, or I was this, or I was that, and I did a lot of good things. No, God doesn't owe salvation to anyone. None of us are saved because we've earned it. Second law, we need to recognize That this salvation that we experience day in and day out, where we experience God's forgiveness, where we experience God's love, is something that, again, God does not owe any of us. We have this unfortunate deception in Christianity that some way, somehow, God owes me. I'm living right. I'm sacrificing this. I'm sacrificing that. Therefore, God owes me. God doesn't owe anybody anything. He's God, right? And we need to remember that it was he who sacrificed for us. He's the one that provides salvation for us through the sacrifice of his own son. That's real love. Now, the reason why that's important for us is because it always always to humble us and to cause us to really bless and magnify the name of the Lord. As we were singing earlier, we praise the name of Jesus. Why? There's no other name. There's no other name by which we might be saved. There's no other name by which we might find forgiveness. And when you look at your own heart and you see just how sinful, how depraved you truly are, it only magnifies the love of God even more. Because why would God ever love someone like me? Why would God ever sacrifice his son for someone like me? And so the, the, the heart responds to the love of God. And it's important that we add this, in, this truth into this experience of being born from above because being born from above and, and operating this, in this life is based upon love. We don't worship God because we have to. When you do that, you are missing out on the purest essence of what Christianity is all about. We love God because he first loved us. We worship God because of this incredible, phenomenal, real love. And if we have a problem, if we have difficulty worshiping God, I would submit to you to to please look into your heart and, and find out, do you really, truly understand the magnitude of the love that God has for you? Because I don't know about you, for me, it always winds up mounting my heart. And I wind up just spontaneously lifting up my hands and lifting up my heart and blessing the Lord and saying, thank you, God, for this phenomenal, incredible, real love that you have for me. Moreover, in this Christian journey, turning away from sin and turning to God and living a life of obedience. Here's the deal. The more we have real love for God, the easier this life becomes. The Christian journey is made difficult for people when their love for God wanes. That's why Jesus said toward the end times, the love of most will grow cold. It is not the things that are out there that are attracting you away from God that are going to be the downfall. It's the coldness of your own heart. You see, let's look at it from the natural perspective. I love my wife passionately because she loves me passionately. And next month, 42 years she's been dealing with my life, putting up with me. But listen, marriage gets in trouble when love starts to wane. Don't talk to me about difficulties and all that kind of stuff. Everybody, listen, there's nobody perfect. I'm a piece of work to live with. Just ask my wife. We all are. Why? Because we're on the construction. God is working. And we, have, we have all kind of stuff that's a mess inside of us. But what keeps a marriage together? It's, it's the, the being careful to guard that love that you have one for another. Yeah. You say, I'm not going to let anything put out the fire of love that I have for my wife, for my husband, okay. right? Yeah. But that's what can happen to us. Yeah. What about the church in Ephesus? Jesus said, you've lost your first love. You had something for me that was precious, it was incredible, and now you've lost it. It's possible for you and I, if we're not careful, to lose our love for God. And, and so we need to recognize, how, how do we guard that? Never forget the phenomenal love he has for you. Never forget that he sacrifice his life for you. Because see real love from God means he sacrificed for me. Real love from me to God means I sacrifice my life for him. I live my life the way Jesus lived. First John chapter 4 verse 17 says and as we live in God our love grows more perfect So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. Why? Because we live like Jesus here in this world. When we stand before God, your confidence and your only confidence before God is going to be, by God's grace, I lived the way Jesus lived in this life. I lived in this life the way Jesus lived. Well, how did Jesus live? Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Jesus said, I only live to do what the Father wants. I only say what the Father wants me to say. I only do what the Father wants me to do. Jesus lived this life on this earth in total submission, sacrificially, to the Father's will. And the one thing that will give us confidence, when we stand before God, is if we, by God's grace, are living that kind of a life here and now. Not because we have to, but because we love him, because he first loved us. Pastor Jason, I'm just going to ask just you to come up and look at the keyboard, play the keyboards for me. Just really recapping. Again, born from above is what we're talking about today. Let's look at the truth really quick. They're coming on the screen. Number one is we must be born again. Number two, there are only one path. There's only one path to being born again. And that means also being born of the water and of the spirit. And number three, we're born again because of God's real love. Blessed be his wonderful name. I want to address myself right now to those of you that might be watching us online. Here's the big question for today. Are you born again? Are you born from above? We saw clearly that it's not about your personal morality. It's not about what religion you're a part of. It's because You recognize that Jesus Christ is the only path to the the Father and to forgiveness of sin. Are you born again? Have you put your faith and total trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Now, I know in the message I was talking about, saying the sinner's prayer, and you can do that right now in your home. You can just simply tell God, Lord, I haven't been living a right life. And I see today, I understand today that I need to be born from above. Would you forgive me of my sin? And by your spirit, come and live in my heart. Give me that life that I need. And if you're sincere in that prayer, God will hear. And God will answer that prayer. But you got to be prepared. Now, I know... During this pandemic, we're not having services right now, and uh, we don't have the baptismal tank. But I was talking with somebody the other day, hey, fill up the tub. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to get baptized in church or whatever. Listen, the important thing is that you have family members or friends around as, as a witness, a public witness. I'm, I'm, I'm declaring I'm going to change my lifestyle with God's grace, and I'm going to walk towards God. And the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you. And for all of us that have made those steps and and embarked on that journey, I want to close in a prayer about you and I having real love for God. Reminding all of us that that's the only reason why we're here. Because Jesus sacrificed His life on the cross of Calvary. We can know what it is to have our sins forgiven. We can know what it is to have the Spirit of God give us life. and We can know what it is to respond back to God and say, I want to love you, Father, the way you've loved me. I want to live a sacrificial life and do your will. Father, I come before you now. I thank you for your word today. My prayer is for those who, like Nicodemus, might be sincere in their religion, might be sincere in their desire to live a right life in your sight. But yet, like Nicodemus, they're not born again. They're not born from above. And maybe they've heard that expression in the past and and really weren't quite sure what it meant. And I pray that today the Spirit of the Lord would help them to see, to understand what being born again truly means. I pray that they make that right decision today before you, Father, to embrace your son, Jesus Christ, to believe in him, to put their total trust in him for their salvation. And Father, I pray that you'll make a way for them and for us to, be, to have water baptisms again. But in the interim, that God, that some way, somehow will be, they'll be able to honor you and walk in obedience to your word to be water baptized as a public demonstration of their faith in Jesus. I pray for all of us that are already born from above. Thank you for reminding us from your word what it truly means. And thank you, Lord, that we also challenged here to to love you, oh God, the way you love us. We want to live like Jesus lived. That way, when we stand before you, Father, we'll have confidence in your presence. So, I pray that your grace will abound in all of our lives and that if our love has gotten a little bit cold, God, that the Spirit of the Lord will send a a fire within our soul to rekindle that passionate love for you, God. We live in difficult times, oh God, but God, nothing is impossible for you. Send the fire of your Spirit, oh God. Once again into our hearts, oh God, igniting that flame of love for you, Lord, so that we can live sacrificially in that we can live in total obedience to you, Lord. Because that light will truly be the evidence that we're born from above. And the day comes when we stand before you, we'll be able to have full confidence. We bless you for it and thank you for it all. In Jesus' name. And everyone say with me, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord. If you have made a decision to say yes to Jesus Christ, would you drop us a line? We'd love to know about that. If you made a decision to say, you know, my love wasn't where it should be, but I want to rededicate my life to God and become passionate again for him, drop us a line on that too so that we can continue to lift you up before God, and that's God's continued blessing in your life. God bless you. We love you. Hopefully, we'll see you on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Until then, please stay safe.